1: It's On Hornets. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. And you can subscribe to the pod on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get them. And you can follow us on Twitter at On Hornets at WalkerMail.com. And at Nod of the Scribe, I think you should be expecting a mock draft two video out at some point in case you missed the Alperin Shangoon video that should be circulating along with everybody else's lottery picks that we've had here in the Lockdown podcast, many mock drafts that we've been doing. So. Follow our handles Walker mail, not of the scribe lockdown Hornets. You've listened enough by now. You know what the deal is. We're going to discuss trade rumors that have been going around about at least a former all-star that is still pretty young. And whether the Charlotte Hornets should attack that player, should they go pursue that player that's coming up in the second segment, even third, we'll see how uh, long that content actually takes, but not a Michelob ultra sponsoring this episode. So we've yes, got another are. player of the year candidate to go first. Mm-hmm. It was miles bridges. Now we're going to do Terry Rozier, who is one of basically, I would say, three worthy candidates that we've discussed so far.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think there are three worthy candidates. And remember, for a while, this award was the Terry Rozier Invitational. Like We would just give this to Terry Rozier on a weekly basis because he would just do so many good things for this team. And he would excite you. And he would hit clutch bucket after clutch bucket after clutch bucket. So I am absolutely here for the entire for the the Terry Rozier Michelol ultra player of the year discussion. I don't know he's if in- he wins but mm-hmm. he's, he's up there.
1: He's a nominee. Miles Bridges was the guy we talked about last week. He's a nominee. Terry Rozier is this week's Michelob Ultra Player of the Year nominee because he brought us so much joy with all of the clutch buckets that he hit. the happiness that we then were filled with afterwards because our Hornets were winning and we didn't have to undergo all of the misery that had been clutch time performances for the Hornets the previous two years before Terry Rozier actually got here and therefore tons of enjoyment that Terry Rozier was giving us just just like Michelob Ultra does. And if you're unfamiliar with this concept that we brought up, we're doing something a little bit different than the rest of the podcast network, even though sticking true to what the actual blueprint is. Because we we like money. We do like money, but also we like being different. So we're doing the player of the year nominees. We've done Miles Bridges. We did that episode last week. We're going to do Terry Rozier this week. We'll come up with another player next week. I'm sure you all can guess, but for the sake of teasing and podcasting, we will not reveal that name yet. We'll probably do an honorable mention episode, at least maybe mention stretches of players, and we can put that in the other category. And then the next episode, right? So about three weeks from now, we'll put it on a poll on Twitter. We'll give you Miles Bridges, Terry Rozier player X other, and then you can vote on who you think the player of the year should be. And then we'll discuss and celebrate that player just like we would and pop back some Michelob ultras. So let's make the case for Terry Rozier. Let's make the case against Terry Rozier. Not a, I'm going to make the case, um, for him first, right? So if you look at the pros of Terry, it's someone that certainly before all-star break and I believe in a, even a little bit after he was shooting extremely well from the field, his effective field goal percentage was at a career high this year at almost 55. It was 54.8% field goal percentage. He shot 39% again from three that was on a higher volume than he was shooting at last year, 8.3 attempts per game. And it was somebody, I think maybe like the first through Two months of the year was actually averaging about 10 three-pointers per game, maybe even a little bit earlier than that, but high volume, of course, for Terry Rozier. The catch and shoot is still there. He's one of the elite shooters in that regard, in the NBA has become that guy in the last couple of seasons. The field goal percentage went down as the season went on, so he would end up at 45% overall rather than 47, 48, but still a very nice shooting percentage, efficient uh, basketball player, James Brego, uh, draw uh, drew up plays for him constantly coming out of timeouts, trying to free Terry for an open three. And it was often somebody that they relied on when it came down to winning time and the Hornets had a really good winning record behind Damian Lillard, even Terry Rozier was known statistically as the second best clutch player in the NBA to certain points in the year. And when you're discussing how important clutch time activity is when you're discussing the kind of offense that Terry provided. God damn Better as a decision maker, even though he's still not great. And I still don't love him making those types of decisions, but really shot a lot better with inside the three point arc this season. That was his biggest improvement. Not a before this year, his career high was 43.6% inside the three point arc. Okay. Not mm-hmm. very good. This year, he shot 51.2% from two point range. I mean, that is a massive increase for Terry. Those are some of the reasons that he should get player of the year consideration and I certainly think you have to call this a career year for Terry so far throughout his NBA tenure
0: I would absolutely call this a career year like he this was one of the better performances if not the best that he's ever had and I just think about the moments like the moments that spark joy just to, to quote the copy from Michelob um I would say that his the the first moment that honestly comes to me is that Golden State game that last second shot where he beats the Golden State Warriors. Granted, it took a lot to get there. It, Thank you, Draymond, for that, by the way. But uh, it took a lot to get there. But the game winner and then him saving the team against Detroit and other teams, like this guy showed up in the biggest spots in the biggest nut, when they needed a bucket. And when they were winning games, it was Terry Rozier hitting a bucket to stem a tide or to spark a run or to spark – joy in the fan base per se so when it comes to like player of the year nominations this team went as far as Terry Rogier would take it and for right now like if you at if you had to twist my arm like I might give it to him I might give it to Miles the only thing and we're gonna get into the case against him because I know you you have a decent amount there Walker the case against him, like, it is probably the reason why he remains second, rather than first, in my idea, in my mind for Michelob player, a Michelob Ultra player of the year, and, and I think that's, and I'm pretty sure I know where you're going with this. So please, without further ado please get into this.
1: Well, I haven't even talked to you You make it. Of course, you're going to make it sound like I don't love Terry and I really do love what he gave us, particularly at the beginning of the season. Another reason for him before we move on to the case against him, it's the fact that Terry also didn't miss many games. This was an injury ridden team. When you looked at PJ Washington off and on Devontae Graham off and on Gordon Hayward, LaMelo ball, Miles Bridges wasn't injured all that much, but of course he suffered the COVID-19 presumed diagnosis that kept him out for a while and Terry was someone I believe missed just three games this year so that Iron Man type of mantra that he provided for the Hornets too that was a huge deal when Charlotte was just devastated with a lot of guys that were either banged up or out for a long time we can go to the case against him in just one moment so with that we will wrap up at least the case for him here because Michelob Ultra um, is giving us these player of the year nominees and with the uh, with the enjoyment and the happiness that he brought to us that certainly belongs in the case for him category it's only worth it if you enjoy it only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories for Michelob ultra joy creates success and enjoyment is in the end of the game it's the whole game even though once again Terry being as clutch as he was would often give us so much joy at the end of the game we'll discuss a little more Terry and then get into some of those trade rumors we were teasing coming up next on the lockdown Hornets podcast this is Locked On Hornets.
0: I kicked the outlet past Doug and I let him run with it because you know what? He's going to do something that's going to be funnier than what I can do right now. I recognize <laughs> okay. my limitations and I'm going from there.
1: <laughs> wow, that's a lot of that pressure. Was a lot of self reflection within that teeing it up oh, for Doug. man. <laughs> got, got a little dark there. <laughs> yeah, the it really did. Uh, we did. We mentioned self um, self loathing <laughs> yesterday, and now we mentioned this. Not. Are you okay, buddy? We're gonna we're gonna talk through it. <laughs> It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Bet online is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So the case against him, not a, you know, for me, I, I think defensively he's not Good. Um, yeah, I, I, I think there's this misnomer out there that Terry Rozier is one of the better defenders on on the team. I think that's a narrative that James Borrego kind of pushes. I think that's something people maybe will see his effort. Like, there's just too many times where Terry will. Play Olay defense and then try to poke the ball from behind, and then so many times he doesn't get any hand to basketball contact, and then eventually he just you know leaves his his defensive counterparts in a mismatch, and you know that's what happens with Terry. He just doesn't stay in front of his guys, and, and every once in a while he'll get a steal here and there, gambling, but most of the time he doesn't. There's not a whole lot of resistance. If uh, you know, people get to the rim against him pretty frequently, and I think defensively all of that matters. I also don't think, as I mentioned, it's somebody that even if there were flashes where he'll improve every once in a while, and I thought that happened a little last year, too. He's still, he, he is what he is in pick yeah, and roll. He, he, is. He, he is what he is as far as being a playmaker for others. Devontae Graham, LaMelo Ball, you know, pretty significantly better than what Terry is as far as creating opportunities for others. I, I mentioned it. The two-point percentage is what really separated this year from last year because three-point percentage overall was actually better last year higher volume right yeah. uh is something you can consider but the three point percentage was a lot better last year it's the fact that when he was driving to the rim he was hitting at a higher clip a lot more so than he ever has in the NBA Terry Rozier. granted you could say that it's because he played so many different NBA games and that they relied on him offensively so much, but he did tail off quite a bit. You yeah. did start to see him dip in production and his efficiency started to go out the window, salvaged it a little bit at the end of the year, but there was a long stretch where the efficiency just wasn't there. And I think some of those are the cases as to why Terry is uh, maybe not your Michelob ultra player of the year. Uh, the,
0: the, the reason that he's not for me, at least is just, I just look at the second half of the season. And granted, that's not necessarily fair, but... And and I understand for the way that this season ended, there's always going to be a downside for whomever the player of the year was. But Terry's second half of the season, especially when we look at the last month and a half, where, granted, he was grinded down to a nub, like, there were a lot of games he didn't show up. There were a lot of bad shooting, shooting nights. And... Maybe uh, maybe some of that was fatigue, but maybe a little bit of that was also regression to the mean because he was doing stuff that were just completely unsustainable at this point. So, I if he's going to be the guy player of the year, I completely understand. But for me, I just like I just can't get that second half of the year, especially late out of my mind where basically teams factored for factored for him loaded up on him and he had nothing for them and i i I just can't i can't just let that out of my mind i want to i want to forgive him for it's not necessarily forgive but i want to ignore that but i can't at the same
1: time can you hear the maintenance going around my apartment complex right now is that something that is happening over my microphone
0: no i cannot hear you
1: Perfect. Okay. Fantastic. Because there are people I'm right next to a street and on that street, they are undergoing maintenance right now. Just kind of, yeah, it's so loud. I just hope that nobody else can hear it, but this mic usually does a pretty good job. So I apologize if you can't hear it. It's so loud. All right. I'm sorry. I'm done. I'm sorry. I got distracted. There's a squirrel (laughs) and I got distracted. My attention was taken elsewhere. So when you compare Miles Bridges and a Terry Rozier, uh, the two guys that we've talked about for player of the year uh, candidates so far, right? Y- you go to somebody like Miles, who was just rock solid all year long, okay? Yes. But his role was not nearly, it wasn't one that had as much responsibility as Terry did in the first half. And Terry knocked it out of the park, right? But Miles had a smaller role and he also knocked it out of the park, except, you know, we talked about it then. Miles was the sixth leading scorer on the team. Defensively, clearly better, clearly showed a better understanding of team defense, being in the right spot at the right time, providing some resistance, actually being a lot more aggressive offensively was Miles even yeah. if his usage percentage was down, even though we're talking about Miles again, just not serving as big of a role as what Terry did. But then Miles, even being rock solid in that specific role, took it to a, a whole other level in the second half where he's the guy averaging 20 points on you know mind-melting efficient shooting, and Terry takes a dip, but Terry also was that clutch guy and had carried a lot of the load offensively in the first half of yes. the season. And so I guess it's what you think of you know a guy that... well in a much smaller role and doesn't have any dip compared to a guy that was always asked all year long to have such a big load. And then eventually he does take a dip at the end. Like what, what, what's more valuable. And I think that's the kind of question that you ask between one Terry Rozier and one uh, miles bridges.
0: The funny thing is like, we're talking about defense and if we're going to use defense to make any kind of delineation between any of these guys, there's miles bridges and then there's a massive canyon between the other two guys we're probably going to talk about. So yeah. <laughs> a lot of this feels like you know what uh like if if it's going to be offense and and you're right, the consistent you have to respect the consistency. And if we're going to be fair, Terry was consistent for longer and had bigger buckets. Then there's Miles. And the then and this is where Miles separates himself a little bit is the sparking joy moments. How many moments did Miles Bridges spark joy over the season? Because if you're telling me that like, there's only one other guy that possibly sparked more joy that than Miles Bridges. And a lot of those plays, he was right there with him. So I, I like, that's where this all becomes really, really, really fluid and really, really, really murky. And kind of fun to have these kind of conversations because, again, there's literally three. We're choosing between three guys. We're choosing between three guys that did a lot of really, really dope work over the season. And we're really just splitting hairs here.
1: It's going to be really tough, Nada. I yeah. mean, just even trying to figure out who it's going to be I, between the three players that we're discussing, it, it is going to be very difficult with a bunch of different factors at play. Let's take one more break and then we'll come back and then address those trade rumors as we often do. We think we're going to have a lot more content to get to and then eventually we don't. Uh, but it's because we got to thank our wonderful sponsors like rockauto.com that has been with us for so long. One reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money that you can then use for other important things things like the mortgage or your food. So why would you choose to spend up to 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or new car dealership? Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. And you can go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car, your truck. Right, Locked On in there. How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. They have an amazing selection. They have reliably low prices. They have all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Who is the uh, person that the Hornets might just pursue in a trade? We'll talk about that next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. We
0: said it Monday. They lost to the Pips. They didn't lose to Gladys Knight. They lost to the right. Pips. They lost to the backup band. They lost to Steve. Now, granted, depending on the backup band, that this is still an impressive backup band. If it's like Stevie Wonder's backup band, then yeah, it's awesome. But if it's I like say. Kings, <laughs> of, Kings of Leon backup band,
1: totally different. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Hello to the finals. Our NBA playoff coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. We can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. How about the Atlanta Hawks Philadelphia 76ers game? It seemed like Philly was going to win. Joel Embiid goes four of 20. Trey Young and the Hawks, they can come back and they eventually tie the series up at two games apiece. Uh, what did you make of that game last night between Philly and Atlanta, Nada?
0: It- the Hawks just managed to hit more shots late, and I like. I'm at the point where I don't know who's going to win these series. Outside of maybe one or two, I don't really know who's going to win these series anymore. And I, I you know what? I'm just. I, I again, I'm enjoying the playoffs. These have been some really cold ass playoffs thus far. And I, again, I don't care who who thinks they've been bad or they're anticlimactic, climactic, or their favorite player isn't in it. These have been dope playoffs thus, thus far.
1: Yeah, both of the series were tied last night. The Clippers got the win against the Utah Jazz 118-104. to 104. Atlanta, they win 103-100 to 100, and it was really more shocking to see Atlanta come back against Philadelphia with Joel Embiid having played so well despite suffering that injury. I think now, even a Dave McMiniman soundbite on ESPN, he was discussing, yeah, Joel, his injury kind of did affect his performance last night. How much is that going to be a factor going forward within that series and the Eastern Conference. All right, Nada, let's talk about one rumor that comes in via the Charlotte Hornets and their possible pursuit of one at least former All-Star who still is only 25 years old, and that comes in the case of Chris Porzingis of the Dallas Mavericks. So Evan Massey, uh, I believe of what is it, NBAanalysis.net or something yeah. like that, the NBA analysis network, something like yeah. that, and maybe even a sports illustrated contributor as well. Evan Massey puts up that the Hornets are interested in Chris Dapp's Porzingis. First things first, how much do you believe this rumor that the Charlotte Hornets are actually interested in the seven foot three guy?
0: Um, the Hornets being interested in any big man shouldn't be news, considering the massive gaping hole that is the center position for the Charlotte Hornets. You would think that we would go through this and be like, hey, yeah, they're again, they're interested. Oh, really? Is it a center? Can he move his feet? Can he rebound? Can he block shots? Of course they'd be interested. So off off gate, off gate, I can understand why they would be interested. I also have problems on I also have questions on how this happens. So, Walker, do you believe this? Because I don't know. I I, I slightly believe it, but I also am one of those that really doesn't.
1: So here's the thing about the Charlotte Hornets. When you discuss their interest in some of these guys that are rumored to be trade interest for the Charlotte Hornets, we see this all the time with Charlotte. I've. I feel like Zach Lowe has talked about this before too, that Charlotte is constantly a team brought up when discussing some of these stars that the Hornets could go after. Kevin Love was someone that the Hornets were interested in. Nikola Vucevic was somebody that the Hornets were interested once upon a time, even an Andre Drummond, who is way different. The perception around him is drastically different than it was, you know, even four years ago. But Andre Drummond is a guy that has constantly been linked to the Charlotte Hornets. And I always go back to the Sharania report that the Hornets and the Grizzlies had all, but basically gotten that deal done at the deadline with Marcus All, And eventually he goes to the Toronto Raptors. Mitch Kupchak actually discusses those negotiations and says, I'm not too sure that we were ever really all that close on a deal to go after Marcus All," And I'm inclined to believe Mitch Kupchak nada, because he hasn't, He hadn't pulled off an in-season trade yet. You know, I know that you're in a different, I know that you're in different times right now, but the Charlotte Hornets and Mitch Kupchak specifically, he's extremely reluctant to get rid of assets and to get rid of young players because he knows the situation that the Hornets are in right now. You can come at me with the Gordon Hayward signing. Okay, that's fine. But technically they didn't give up assets. Yes, they gave up some cap space because one, Gordon Hayward's contract is huge. And they also waived and, uh, and stretched Nick Batum's contract. Still, they didn't give up any of their young players and they didn't give up any of their draft picks. I think Mitch Kupchak does value that quite a bit. I also not a, you know, in a very weird way, I don't know how much I should bring this up, but I guess I will, you know, in in conversations with Rick, you know, I, I would constantly talk with Rick just to kind of see what was going on here. And he would say, yeah, I haven't heard anything about this, man. Like, you know, so many times you would hear one person put this out there, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it was Andre Drummond, whether it was, you know, whatever big man, they would put it out there and that would be the only real journalist, any, any, any real type of rumor that we had regarding that specific player. You know, Woj wasn't touching it. Shams wasn't touching it as much. You know, any any of the, the bigger wigs, if you will, they weren't really touching it. So, so not, I think, a, a general rule that I have yes. for these inquiries that the Charlotte Hornets make, a general rule for me is, are there multiple reporters that you trust going after it if it's not a shams or woge. And, and I don't want to discredit these guys that are on the grind. I don't want to discredit these guys are on the hustle because if you have some information that you trust, then, of course, you're going to put it out there. Yeah. But there are so many times that there's just one person that puts out this one rumor. It's They're big enough. They got enough of a following to where people are going to pay attention to it. But they also maybe don't have this incredible esteem track record and we give way too much attention towards it than we should have in the first place. That happens a lot that, with the Charlotte Hornets. And I think this is that no, this is they're just that. not a lot that makes sense here.
0: No, because here's the other question. So they're trading for them. Okay. So there's going to be a trade. So what exactly would Dallas want? Dallas isn't going to be interested in the 11th pick of the draft. I'm sorry. And on top of that, you're probably going to have to move either Terry Rozier, who I'm not sure the Dallas Mavericks want, or Gordon Hayward, who I'm very certain the Hornets want to keep, and also has a 15% trade kicker. Like, the gymnastics to make a Chris Stapps-Porzingis deal happen aren't, like, they're not worth it for the Charlotte Hornets to do. So, why is this a thing? Like, I understand that people like to feed on rumors. I understand that the off, NBA offseason, in some cases, is a lot more popular than the regular season than the actual in on-court stuff. But at the same at the same time, guys, this doesn't make sense. Like, I saw people getting up, people getting like hyped over it, and I'm like, none of it makes any sort of sense. Like, this deal doesn't make sense, and this goes back to. Why This goes back to people hope trafficking and just trying to, like, rumor monger for clicks and mentions and this, that, and the third and impressions at this point. Because, like, when it was Miles Turner, Miles Turner makes sense because we've had people that have legitimately said there's some smoke to that fire for months. That one made sense. This one doesn't make sense because... There's no compatible way that you can make a deal without involving a third team, and that that only makes the deal even that much more unlikely to me.
1: Yeah, it and so I've even seen some some people in Hornets Twitter, you know, not necessarily even believe in the Miles Turner rumors, which is totally fine, by the way. You know, I mean, like, you know, I, I totally get it because we've been duped by this so many times, and it's not like you have, you know, this overwhelming sense that they're interested in Miles, but I, I think I think that we've heard enough people say that the Hornets are interested in miles and it makes sense enough to the point where I actually do believe it. I, I do believe that the Hornets have made actually inquired a little bit more seriously about one miles Turner, you know, and, and with these other people that I, I don't necessarily you know believe enough to have real traction with any of these moves that are being reported. Right. I think what ends up happening is maybe the Hornets call Dallas or maybe they've had talks. It's like one phone call, and it doesn't really go anywhere they get wind that the hornets made the phone call just to see what was up they word it to a point where you can't i guess directly refute it like the hornets at least called and we're interested in, in Chris Dapps or something. They put that report out there. And now we make so much bigger of a deal than it needs to be. I think that happens quite a bit as well, but I believe I, I do believe the miles Turner inquiries that the Charlotte Hornets have made. Um, and, and real quickly, you know, just, just to talk a little bit more about whether this makes sense with Chris Dapps, man, like you even bring up Gordon Hayward, right? Yeah. Uh, Chris Stapps is making more money than Gordon. <laughs> All right, so if you have a problem with Gordon Hayward and if, if you have a problem with Gordon Hayward's health, you're not trading for Chris Tapp's poor Zingas to come and bring him in and sending Gordon Hayward out because that guy has a worse health track record than even Gordon Hayward. OK, so if you have a problem with Gordon Hayward's health, you're not doing that for Chris Tapp's. Maybe you have a problem with Gordon Hayward's money, but Chris Apps is making more money. <laughs> All right, so maybe you want some shooting. Chris Tapps does stretch certainly the floor because he is a five that can shoot 37% from three, such as he did last year. Gordon Hayward shot better from three this year. Yes, not at the five position, but he still shot three, or he still shot better from three. I mean, defensively, Porzingis gets cooked know, he's not strong enough. His center of gravity is too high to provide any kind of resistance towards the rim. You know, he's not a rim protector anymore. He used to be with the New York Knicks. He used to be even a little bit showing some flashes with the Dallas Mavericks last year. But I mean, I think I saw Kevin O'Connor put out a video where he discusses the injuries that have happened to his left leg and the injuries that have happened to his right leg. And you're talking about multiple injuries to two different legs on a 7'3 guy. He can't move laterally well enough. Offensively, the only thing he'd he does is turn around fadeaways and three-point shooting. He can't put the ball on the deck. He's not necessarily a good playmaker. I mean, not a, you know, I'm not saying that he doesn't deserve a spot in the NBA, right? Like, you know, you have a good enough shooting percentage. You have a good enough three-point ball. Of course you deserve a spot. He averaged 20 points per game on a good effective field goal percentage. Like I get all of that, but not, I outright don't want him. Yeah, you know, at that contract, there's just not anything that you can come to me with and say, Hey, you know what about a PJ Washington no no i'm not getting like pj washington uh, pj washington's block percentage is better than porzingis is right like uh, post defense I, shit! I mean hell, I'm going with PJ. Yeah, like, like, <laughs> like you know, I just, I, I just, there's not really anything that is going to make me wildly interested in going after a Porzingis, unless you think there's some reclamation there, and the health history for him makes me just stay all the way away from it.
0: Yeah, no, as as it should. Like, there's no, there's no real justification that if you are a Hornets fan or if you are Horn- Hornets base that you want to bring a guy like, like, like Chris Epps Porzingis in. There's no point. It he doesn't fit what you want to do, and this is where like, like we you just talked about it though, like James Borrego has said he wanted a certain type of center. Does Kristaps Perzingis fit anything in what? James Bragel likes from the center. Uh,
1: uh, no, not a, because, no, a hundred percent because what you, because he's essentially a seven, three small ball center. You're playing small ball with the seven, three guy. Players aren't scared of him at the rim. Like he's, he's too light. It is light work when you're going against him. And then he just stays along the perimeter offensively the whole time. You know, you can do the same thing offensively uh, with PJ You know, rather than just putting Porzingis out there, like the allure of him is that he's tall. Okay, that's great. He used to have some rim protection and he did flash some of that even in 2020, but he didn't do it this year. Like, I just, you you can do the same things offensively and even defensively with PJ Washington playing the small ball five. The reason to go after a center, the the reason that people have discussed so much that the Hornets are in desperate need of a five position is to provide some type of rim protection. Chris Dabbs isn't doing that anymore. And if you want to have a three-point shooter at the center position, then go with the guy in PJ Washington that gave you a positive net rating when he was the tallest guy or played the center position with the Hornets. Like it doesn't make any sense to give up anything of value to go after Porzingis.
0: Not at all. Not at all. And you know what? We can sum this up. We can sum this up and then go home on this. You know, <laughs> you know what Chris Dapp's Porzingis is? Chris Dapp's Porzingis is like when your mom tells you, like when you tell your mom, hey, can we go get a happy meal for McDonald's? And you know what? Your mom's your mom might be a little bit better of a cook. She may be, she's not necessarily a five star chef somewhere, but she's maybe three and a half, four stars. And she's like, No, I can make you a really good meal at home. And you know what happens? That meal at home is better than anything that you could have gotten at McDonald's. That's what we're at right now.
1: Because I like that.
0: Yeah. Just just yeah. stay home. Just stay home.
1: Look, it might be tantalizing to go to McDonald's, but you got some great food at home. If that's the type of thing you're wanting to go for and PJ Washington is just fine. And so here we are talking about, you know, PJ Washington would have to be included in the deal. He's the asset that people go to now. You know, people are always saying, Hey, PJ's the guy for miles. PJ is the guy for Chris You know, I, okay. I will entertain that conversation all day long. If you want to discuss miles, I, I still wouldn't do it, but totally, totally understand that way of thinking. If you're talking about it for Chris taps it just doesn't make any sense for me. All right, that wraps up this edition of Locked On Hornets. Thanks again to Miklo Boltra for supporting the show and as always thanks to you guys for supporting the show. Tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NBA Hollinger and Duncan, really any show on the Locked On Podcast Network. Also make sure you stay tuned for some of those videos that we're releasing via the Locked On NBA mock draft. I think the number 2 mock draft is coming out and then next week the number 3 mock draft is coming out. So we're a little ahead of schedule. Maybe we try to get Back on track. Either way, a lot of great content coming out on the network. Have a great day. We'll be back with you tomorrow.